0: While the police chase was happening, um, long story short, my car was the car that ended up right next to the UPS driver. So shots started getting fired and I was able to wiggle my way out of that situation. But now, hours later, I'm at home and I just discovered that I think I have bullet
1: wounds, bullet shot holes on my car.
2: This thing went on way too long.
1: 25 miles. A
2: hijacked UPS truck that is being followed by police. So, you know, we we certainly believe that what the police did that day was wrong. We believe that Frank Ordonia should still be alive.
0: The people responsible for this action, for this result, are the two gentlemen that decided to enter that store and commit this violent crime. What what would
3: justice look like to me, Um, I, I don't really know. I, I
1: don't really know. A jewelry store heist on December 5th, 2019, set off a chain reaction of events that still leave so many unanswered questions, many that may never be answered. It was just after 4 p.m. on Thursday, December 5th, when two armed robbers pulled up in the alleyway behind Regent's Jewelers in a U-Haul. Disguised as postal workers to gain access, they ring the bell of the store, and they're let in. Remember, it's a Thursday afternoon on a pedestrian-friendly, shop-filled, busy street. The City Hall is right across from the store in Coral Gables, in the center of town in the Miami neighborhood. Coral Gables police get a silent alarm at 4.17 p.m. from the store. The police chief says that within a minute and a half, officers showed up. But what happened in that minute and a half is most likely what set up everything that transpired after, which would end with two suspects dead, along with two innocent victims, and so many other lives affected by what happened in the next hour.
4: Officers responded within a minute and a half. Within that minute and a half, subjects exchanged gunfire with the proprietor who also fired back.
1: That's when bullets begin flying into the streets in front of the store on Coral Gables upscale Miracle Mile and in the back alleyway. One of the bullets even hits Coral Gables City Hall and it narrowly misses a city clerk.
4: Uh, the only thing we know is that the UPS driver we, we believe was doing a delivery here in Coral Gables.
1: That's Coral Gables Police Chief Dan Hudak at a press conference shortly after the robbery.
4: The getaway truck that was used was found at that location. It has been secured by the Coral Gables Police Department and will be processed. At that time, the individuals abducted the driver of the truck as well as the truck itself, uh, which Miami-Dade Police Department got behind some time ago, uh, and then it unfolded in Broward County where the situation was terminated.
1: The suspects being seen in their getaway vehicle after the jewelry store shootout is most likely what forced them to ditch it only a mile and a half away, when they hijacked UPS driver Frank Ordonez in his truck and led police on a 25-mile chase that would cross two county lines, starting in Miami-Dade and ending in Broward County.
4: This is what dangerous people do to get away, and this is what people will do to avoid capture.
1: Local 10 and local10.com present the Florida Files. I'm Michelle Solomon, and this is Police Shootout Gone Wrong. Two brazen robbers, two innocent victims, 20 police officers, nearly 200 bullets, and families still looking for answers three years after the fact. For the past several months I've been working on this story, I've been living the details, going over whatever I can. Law enforcement remains tight-lipped because the investigation is ongoing. While poring over what I do have, another early date in December comes up linked to one of the robbers killed in the shootout. Remember, it was December 5th, 2019, when Lamar Alexander, along with his cousin Ronnie Jerome Hill, show up at the jewelry store in Coral Gables. Well, almost exactly 11 years to the date before the Miramar Parkway shootout, a similar story played out 200 miles from Miami. Lamar Alexander would be the driver, leading 40 police officers on a 57-mile chase after he and three other men rob a jewelry store on December 4th, 2008, in Fort Myers, Florida. Their target? A mayor's jewelry store at the Bell Tower Shops in Fort Myers. Four men in ski masks enter with guns. It is 9.20 p.m., minutes after the heist, when deputies from Lee County spot a four-door black Nissan with Georgia license plates. It's leaving Bell Tower shops and heading towards I-75 North. A hot pursuit begins. All of the men in the car are from Miami. The driver, Lamar Alexander. He is 30 years old at the time. Alexander is flooring the Nissan, hitting speeds topping 130 miles per hour. Here's law enforcement from Northport, Florida, where the chase finally ended, archived thanks to WBBH-TV, NBC2 in Fort Myers.
2: More than two subjects uh, exited the car, ran into a residential area on the other side of the woods here off I-75. There was some contact with uh, homeowners there, and beyond that, there was a a deputy confronted, a a deputy from Lee County Sheriff's Office, uh, confronted one of the uh, Suspects and gunshots were exchanged and one suspect was injured.
1: Police place stop sticks after 57 miles. Alexander loses control of the car. It goes off the roadway, crashes into trees and catches fire. He and another man are immediately caught by police. The other two accomplices who take off break into a house where they force a man at gunpoint to give them his car keys. A Lee County deputy sees them trying to start the car and confronts them. One of the men points a gun at the deputy and he's shot twice. He survives. The other runs, but a canine unit captures him. According to the Naples Daily News, the store reports that quote, low end unquote jewelry was stolen that day. Alexander is sentenced to 10 years in prison for taking part in the armed robbery. He's released on June 7, 2017. Ronnie Jerome Hill wasn't with Alexander on that heist, but he was on that fateful day of December 5, 2019. Between the two of them, they had extensive criminal records. Local 10's Andrew Perez reports the details about the ex-cons.
0: Authorities identify Lamar Alexander and Ronnie Hill as the robbers, both 41 years old, no strangers to law enforcement, lived in Miami-Dade County with pretty similar rap sheets. They dictated this, not law enforcement.
3: The people that shot first were the perpetrators. They started shooting on the turnpike at our officers. They shot before that at Coral Gables. We
0: now know that Alexander was a felon with a lengthy criminal history, including armed robbery. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison, released in 2017. Hill was also released from prison in 2017, also burglary and robbery charges. The heist was elaborate, unusually violent, and now police are combing through the lives of these two men who they say started it all.
1: When I speak to their Aunt Naomi, she tells me the cousins were trying to get their lives together. Hill was employed as a truck driver. Records show that Alexander had held management jobs with a cleaning service company. No one really knows why or how the heist was planned or why Regent's was even targeted. FBI agent George Pirro.
0: And it's still unclear why they picked that particular jewelry store. Um, Again, the two subjects are deceased, so uh, in a sense, you know, that might be one of those uh, uh, unanswered questions uh, forever.
1: Corey Smith was like a brother to Lamar Alexander. He was, in fact, his cousin. But they were brought up like brothers, he told Local 10 News. He told Local 10 News this about Lamar after the shootout. He said he just made bad decisions in life and it cost him his. Corey Smith was a beloved football coach, a helper and a mentor known for building up kids that needed a lift. One of those kids was Lamar Alexander's son, Charles. Barely a year after Corey gave that statement to Local 10 News, another tragedy would befall the families. The Miami high school senior football coach would be shot and killed in his home on September 21st, 2020, allegedly with his own gun by Lamar Alexander's 15-year-old son, Charles. Charles had a history of mental problems the boy's mother said after his arrest. She was the one who the teen confessed the shooting to. She said that the teen has the mental capacity of an 8 or 9 year old. And on top of that, the trauma of his father, Lamar's death and that Miramar Parkway shooting is on the same day as the boy's birthday. Local 10's Ian Margo reports on the arrest of Charles Alexander. And more about that young suspect's past was revealed in court. Let's get right over to local tenants' Ian Margul. He is live with those new details. Ian.
5: So according to arrest documents, Coach Corey Smith was killed with his own gun by a teenager who he considered to be a nephew.
4: I find probable cause for the charges. Um, Second-degree murder on grants death. Firearm.
5: A 15 year old now facing a second degree murder charge after police say he shot and killed Corey Smith. Smith was a beloved teacher and football coach who left an indelible mark on the players and kids he worked with.
3: He did things for them that we don't normally get to see everybody
5: do. The murder happened on Monday. According to arrest records, the teenager was in Smith's home and told investigators he was in the bathroom when he heard gunshots coming from another part of the house. He said that's when he found Smith, who he considered an uncle, dead on the floor. The teen called his mother, who then called 911. But through their investigation, detectives say they don't believe anyone else was in the home. The arrest affidavit saying, quote, a review of the surveillance video camera footage revealed that no other individuals entered the residential driveway, which leads to the front door of the residence. Then on Wednesday, the teen's mother went back to police, saying her son had admitted to killing Smith. Finally, on Thursday, That teen was taken into custody.
4: The state is announcing its intention to review the case to determine if they should file charges in adult court or keep this case in juvenile
5: court. Law enforcement tells us the teenager is the son of Lamar Alexander. One of the men identified as a suspect in the kidnapping of a UPS driver and a chase that ended with a shootout leading to Alexander and three others being killed.
1: Charles is in jail where he remains held without bond. State prosecutors want to charge him as an adult with second degree murder. He's also being charged with grand theft in the third degree. The motive? Most likely money, $7,450 in cash that was in Smith's room. Police say they found the stash in a pocket of the teen's jeans that were discovered in a garbage bag in his uncle's house where the shooting happened. I reach out to his attorney, Roderick Vereen, to ask about a trial hearing listed for Charles Alexander in Miami-Dade County Court. It is scheduled for February 13, 2023. He responds to me in an email saying he is still, quote, in the process of preparing Mr. Alexander's case. I doubt it will be going to trial in the next trial setting, end quote. And then he states that he is not at liberty to discuss the case any further. There have been a number of competency hearings and psychological and psychiatric evaluations that are listed in the records. When Charles first appeared before a judge, attorneys for the teen said they planned to file a motion to declare him mentally incompetent. Smith's widow told the Miami Herald after the shooting that the boy had asked to come to their house and that they hadn't seen him since Lamar died. Corey picked him up on a Sunday night, and he stayed at their West Little River home. On Monday morning, Corey was shot in the den, the gun found in the trash can outside of the home. I wanted to speak with Smith's widow just to hear her take on things, to give her the chance to speak about Corey. But when I reached out, she said it wasn't a good time. She wasn't ready, and it was too close to the holidays. I've said it a few times, and it has struck me more than a few times too. How many people in this story were in the wrong place at the wrong time? Now, it seems Corey Smith was one of those people too. And so many people affected by the choices made by those two armed robbers on December 5th, 2019. Remember Richard Cutshaw, the 70-year-old union worker close to retirement, who was driving home in his 2009 Mercury Grand Marquis? He was stopped at the intersection of Miramar Parkway and Flamingo Road when he was caught in the crossfire of the police shootout and killed. His brother Tom says Richard's decision to go home, when he did, put him at the wrong place at the wrong time.
3: And from what I understand, my um, my brother's um, co-workers, I was kind of under the impression that they went out that night, and they had asked my brother to join, and he he just, for some reason, wanted to go home that night. And um, I, again, I personally find it interesting that, you know, five minutes, one way or the other. Had, had he stayed at the office another five minutes, had he he gone early, had he gone out with his friends. I mean, you know, you can always play what if.
1: Tom also feels the family suffered another loss after his brother was killed.
3: And um, like I told you, my mother just passed away actually in in, uh, 2020, she was 100 years old. And, and to, to me, one of the tragedies was, I mean, my mother was 100 years old. That's old. Don't get me wrong. But, but we went out to restaurants. We went out to dinner. She got around on her own. And um, after this happened, it just, it, it completely devastated her. I mean, she kept asking, you know what, it, it was like one of her baby chicks was killed and she didn't. She didn't understand. She kept saying, why, "Why did the police kill my baby?" She was looking so forward to taking the train down um, to spend Christmas with Richard, and uh, this this whole thing just you know devastated her, and she just went right down, you know, just right downhill from there. Yep. Again, <laughs> she was a hundred, but this this really. Um, And to hear and keep asking, why did the police kill my baby? I don't know if all I can think of is on his, um, again, when I had to deal with all his finances, I had to, um, most people I dealt with, I had to provide a copy of the death certificate. And on his death certificate it says, I believe the way it's worded is, um, cause of death is a gunshot wound to the head and the manner of death is, it says homicide. And I mean if you look up the word homicide it's another word for murder. But I just thought it was ironic that maybe years from now his his nieces or nephews or some family member will will look up and and um, you know see see a copy of my brother's death certificate and, and think my you know what, what was he a member of the mafia or you know he was a gun, single gunshot wound to the head it was a homicide and uh, again I had joked with you earlier I think my my father again having six children had always joked about. You know he was so proud that nobody had been upstate to the big house and you know all, all his kids were working nobody had ever been in trouble um with the law and, and then to have this you know the death certificate that, that that makes one of us sound like a hardened criminal it, it was um it was rather ironic
1: Meanwhile, the families continue to wait for what the next steps will be. The Ordonez family especially hopes that there will be a criminal trial in front of a grand jury. The Broward State Attorney's Office will see if they have enough evidence from the FDLE to press any charges against the officers who shot at the UPS truck that day. Attorney and former police officer and detective Richard Diaz doesn't have anything to do with this case, but, has years of experience representing police, and as an officer and a detective out in the field. They wanted to go to. Is do you think it would go to a grand jury? I mean, I don't. You know.
2: I think the case. Prob, I think the case should be presented to a grand jury. I'd rather see a grand jury make a decision. I think there's a better chance of a criminal charge coming from a grand jury than from the state attorney himself or herself. The key is understanding and knowing with a reasonable degree of confidence that you really had no choice but to shoot when you did because of what was a likely greater negative consequence in not firing. And that's really what is still not clear in my mind because of. The evidence or lack of evidence of prior gunfire exchange between the subject and moving vehicles and then who really fired first at the scene if there had been no fire discharging it's just um, but i just think like i said even if there had been a prior discharge you had more than one opportunity to put a put maneuver on this vehicle and this vehicle is top heavy it's 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 going over it's rolling over And what I saw here was astonishing in the recent video I looked at. You had a a black SUV unmarked vehicle that was in front of the UPS truck attempting to slow down his speed. That that was insane. This 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 thing went on way too long.
1: Twenty-five miles.
2: You know, and frankly, you know, as crazy as it seems, when you kinda and I realize Monday morning is, you know, easy to quarterback, but um, If shots were being fired in route to where the final vehicle came to rest, I find it hard to believe that that driver of that black SUV would have been almost bumper to bumper with the car trying to slow it down. That's, that's you're just, all you got to do is shoot from the rear. I mean, that's, you're putting yourself in the most disadvantageous position you could ever want in a gunfight. You're back to the shooter's face. He can, you're driving a car. He's behind you. And one of them was not driving. They knew there were two subjects. I mean, that, But if you're going to do that and you're going to be macho man, that's fine. You know, if you're going to do that, right? But then, you know what? Apply the brakes and stop them. Because there was ample opportunity for them to box in that car. I would be very curious to hear or see what evidence exists that supports a claim of prior discharge. Because I can tell you this, if there was, if they were firing from the truck, either in route to where it was stopped, at innocent civilians, even though they, we were lucky that nobody got hit, and or they opened fire in the officers before the officers fired upon them at the ultimate shooting location, then at that point, yes, the officers had to engage and return fire. There's just no question.
1: The Ordonez family wants to keep Frank's name out in the public, so what happened is not forgotten until they receive what they believe is justice. Here is a report from Local 10's Christian De La Rosa on an event when the family gathered to mark Frank Ordonez's birthday. Emotional moments tonight as the family of the
2: UPS driver killed in a police involved shootout in Miramar last year gathered to mark what would have been the
4: victim's birthday. His loved ones demanding justice for his death tonight. 10's Christian De La Rosa was at the memorial and he's joining us live now with more Christian. This was a very
0: painful vigil and I spoke to the UPS drivers brother and father uh, who told me they wanted to come out tonight because they wanted to remind you of their pain and why they're still angry. On what would have been his 28th birthday. A caring, responsible father who put his daughters first and everything. They're reminding us of who he was and the horror of how he went. This is painful to watch. My brother must have thought once the police arrived that they were going to save him. 70 year old Rick Cutshaw innocently sitting in his vehicle and Ordoñez, just 27, were killed in the crossfire between the suspects and at least 20 law enforcement officers who opened fire, some seen using people's cars as shields, no accountability, no consequences for their actions. Monday night, the late UPS driver's brother and father finding support in friends and other families with loved ones Killed in police-involved shootings. His father
1: saying they're still waiting for justice. For Tom Cutshaw, justice for his brother's death? Well, that's a tough one. When you laid your head on the pillow at night, that you would say, oh, now I have an answer. I mean, what, what would, um, what, I guess, is, does that make sense? Like, what would be the satisfactory thing that could maybe, I mean, everybody always says closure. What would be the closure?
3: Um, no, I understand. You, you know, what, what what would justice look like to me? Um, I, I don't really know. I, I don't really know. And again, there were so many things that went wrong, any one of which done correctly might have produced a different outcome, but no, I go over and over in my mind and I I don't know what justice, I don't know what justice would look like for me. I can't speak for, you know, my my brother or my sisters. I I just, I, I don't know. Nothing will bring him back. But... But this thing was just so flawed and so messed up from the get-go that there's nothing that's going to satisfy me. And it's just, it's just a tragedy with no, no no good outcome. I just, I'm sorry. I can't be, I I just, I, I just, there is no justice. There's, There's nothing that'll satisfy me, truly.
1: So after three years of waiting and wondering when will the families get answers, well, that remains in the hands of the Broward State Attorney's Office. Stay tuned for a follow-up from the Florida Files when we learn the outcome. Are you a fan of the Florida Files? Tell us what you love about the series on Apple Podcasts and join other fans in leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.